Media podcast covering the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry. I'm executive editor, Sarah Lavendusky, and today I'm joined by Mike Carroll, founder and managing partner at Intelligent Conversations, a Milwaukee-based sales consultancy focused on improving teams' performance, culture, and leadership. Mike is also the author of The Sales Team You Deserve, Why CEOs Tolerate Mediocrity and What You Can Do About It. Today, we're going to speak about the importance of using personality and behavioral assessments to figure out if a potential hire would make a good fit for a team, as well as to bolster existing talent and taking team performance to the next level. So thank you, Mike, for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Glad to be here, Sarah. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. So let's start with the basics. What is a personality or behavioral assessment and which ones do you use in your consultant work on clients' behalf? So we use a, a, a range of assessments, but there are basically three categories of, of assessments. There are personality assessments, there are behavioral styles assessments, and then we use for our work with salespeople, a sales-specific evaluation. Uh, so an example of a personality assessment would be something like Caliper. Uh, uh, for behavioral styles, it would be things like DISC or predictive index. And I mentioned those three, not because I recommend them necessarily. Those are just some common ones that people are familiar with and are sort of like the leaders in those categories. Uh, and then for the sales specific assessment, we really recommend a tool from objective management group. Uh, and they're, you know, I did a lot of research, looked all over the market. They're the only assessment instrument that I've been able to find that is sales focused. A lot of the behavioral and personality assessments have a sales version of their report, but it's really not sales. It's, you know, measure, it's measuring different things. And then they adjust the output to make it sound more salesy. What I like about OMG is it's measuring the 21 core competencies you have to know to improve sales performance and measure somebody's sales aptitude. Uh, and also it's not, it's not interpretive, meaning the questions are sales specific and then the output is sales specific. Whereas some of the behavioral assessments or personality profiles, you're getting quite, and I'm being a little ridiculous, but you're getting questions like, Hey, if you're at a party, are you washing the dishes? Or are you telling a story? Oh, you must be an extrovert. Therefore you're good at sales. Well, that's not necessarily predictive of sales success. So, um, they have their place. In our practice, we tend to use DISC for understanding how somebody communicates. You know, it's a behavioral style thing. We want to understand their communication patterns. We want to under, understand their underlying motivators, why they behave certain ways. You know, so how do they behave? Why do they behave that way? Um, and that's super useful from a management perspective to change your, your communication style, how you present information the pace of communication, all of those factors go into, you know, connecting with each team member. Um, so that's how we use DISC, but we use OMG for evaluating sales candidates or for measuring and getting a benchmark of an existing sales team. Great. So how can they be used during the interview process to make sure that a potential new hire yeah. would be a good fit for a team? And what is the timing of that assessment in the process? Great question. So, so before we get into the assessments, let me just share with you my perspective on where things go off the rails with sales hires. So, you know, I spend a lot of time talking to HR managers and I spend a lot of time working with sales leaders, VPs, sales managers. Um, and there's, there's like a, a tremendous amount of cognitive dissonance when it comes to sales hiring. When I talk to HR managers, when we look at who they've successfully placed in that company, they're proud. 
this is the new office manager and this is the new finance person and this is the new shipping director and you know they can point to all of their success and yet when it comes to the sales team they're often they kind of hang their head and they're a little frustrated and embarrassed they say yeah we haven't been able to crack the code when it comes to hiring salespeople. And there are a lot of reasons why that's the case Salespeople interview very well you know, they're selling all the time. So a mediocre salesperson can run circles around a really good HR interviewer. And so what works for hiring an operations person or a finance person or an office manager kind of role doesn't always translate to screening and selecting the best salespeople. Salespeople can kind of bluff their way through that. So that's a challenge that I see on the HR side. On the sales leadership side, listen, sales managers are always underwater. They're always behind the eight ball. They work hard. They're always hustling. They often don't have time to be proactive. I, I should reframe that. They choose not to be proactive maybe, but whatever. Um, and so they'll, they'll kind of bark at the HR person. Hey, I need another salesperson for this territory. And it's already a month late and they're already under the gun and they're already feeling like I don't have market coverage. They don't spend time defining what they need. They don't spend time giving direction. And so HR goes with very little direction and their inadequate interview questions. And then they, they find candidates and they present them to the, the manager who promptly blows them up because they're, they're not good enough, but they don't give meaningful feedback. So whether you use assessments or not, if you're listening to this podcast, the first thing I would do when it comes to sales hiring is, sales hiring is getting your HR team and your sales leadership in the same room and they cannot lock the door until they come, on a, come to agreement on, this is exactly what we're looking for. And these are the requirements for this profile. This is the level of resistance a salesperson's going to encounter. This is how we're going to pay them. This is uh, experience they need to be able to, you know, demonstrate in an interview. They need to have done certain things well. It doesn't have to be in our industry necessarily, necessarily but if, if we expect them to talk to the C-suite, I want to know that they've done that somewhere else. Um, they need to be ready to deal with the level of competition they're going to encounter. Where is your company in the marketplace? Sometimes... I've seen people hire people that worked, I'll use the example, like, you know, they worked at IBM. Well, they were successful at IBM because they were at IBM and they had immediate brand credibility and that halo of, of that brand equity. Now they go to a software startup, they can't sell the same way because they don't have that benefit. So you really want to make sure you're getting clarity on the role, right? So that's step one. As far as assessments, to get to the other part of your question, um, I think you have to be able to calibrate the assessment to the position, right? So what do I mean by that? So just as we define clarity in that, in that meeting of the minds with HR and sales, you need that to then take that and make it actionable by saying, what's the level of difficulty for this position? What are the things that are must-haves as we evaluate them with assessments and interviews, right? And get, get that clarity. From a not, you know, making sure that your hiring process isn't biased, if you follow EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, I, I believe is what that stands for, um, they recommend that the assessments you use are reliable and validated as predictive. And they also recommend that there's a, there's a fair use requirement. So if you evaluate one candidate, you should evaluate all candidates. What we recommend as a best practice is evaluate them early in the process. They apply and you send them a link to the evaluation early on. What often happens is they're evaluated at the very end of the process. They've already been through a couple of interviews and you're about to make the offer and the evaluation is, the assessment is the last step. That, that 
is problematic from a couple perspectives. One, it doesn't comply with EEOC best practices. So that's potentially problematic. The other thing though, is by the time you've interviewed them, you may have introduced some unintentional biases. You may have already formed an opinion and then you use that assessment to either validate your review or you discount the assessment results if it conflicts. And so, you know, when you evaluate early, you're, you're complying with fair use because everyone gets the opportunity to take the evaluation and you're minimizing potential biases that get introduced through the interview process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very important. Uh, I think the timing of it and like you're saying the, you know, the biases and making sure that things are, are, are done fairly is really important. And so the, the kind of the next step of that is that, okay, you know, we're going to start introducing these assessments um, for our team and the way that we, we do sales. So we have an existing team already yep. um, and using these assessments for strengthening an existing team and helping a sales manager improve individual coaching for everybody, overall leadership, the, the culture of the team. How do assessments play into that? No, I love that question. So, so again, for like a behavioral styles assessment, I think you can do that anytime just to understand communication styles and, and potential blind spots and conflicts. So that's, that's um, a great way to use those assessments for what I recommend when we work with clients is the first thing we do is we set a benchmark. So we want to evaluate the existing sales team using the objective management group tools. And that's going to measure the 21 core competencies that are, uh, are required for sales success. And, and it's going to highlight potential blind spots. Everything in those assessments, by the way, is observable, right? So if you, if you look at it through the right lens and you understand what this is telling you, and I'll give you a couple examples. Um, it's all observable. Hang on, my eyes tearing here, sorry. Um, it's all observable and it's, um, it's something you can coach to, right? So for example, one of the core competencies is something called you know, need for approval. So a salesperson who has high need for approval, it's more important for them to be liked than to win the business. A lot of these salespeople hide behind this concept of I'm a relationship guy, right? I, I build rapport. I'm a relationship person. I'm a big deal Carnegie fan. I think that it's easier to sell if you have rapport and you build a relationship with them. However, you can't let that need to form that relationship get in the way of asking tough, timely challenge questions during the discovery process or during the closing and qualification process. And so if a manager understands this sales rep has higher need for approval, they can begin to coach them a little bit differently. They can begin to restructure how they do role play in their one-on-ones or in a sales meeting. They can challenge them in pre-call planning saying, okay, how are you going to create urgency for them to act? Let's go through some tougher questions to create that that discomfort in the prospect so they want to take action. And it's going to seem foreign to that salesperson. There are a lot of sales managers that we talk to who express their frustration because sales isn't that hard. The concepts are pretty straightforward. Most people understand them intellectually. And they'll say, you know what? I talk to this person. I tell them the same thing again and again. They understand it intellectually. They can role play it back to me in a meeting. And then they don't execute when they're in front of a customer. I just don't know what to do. Inevitably, when I hear that, I can map that behavior back to one of these 21 core competencies, pinpoint which one it is, give that salesperson a learning track so they can start to work on it for themselves, but also give the manager 
the framework and understand, okay, this is how this shows up in the sales process. And here's some coaching techniques to help them improve and overcome that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So really valuable. I mean, basically it, it accelerates a sales manager's understanding of their team. We have a couple of recent clients where we've helped them place new sales managers. And one of the first things we do after we place them is I say, look, let's get a new evaluation of everyone on the team. That's going to accelerate that manager by six months because we're going to, you know, everything in there is observable. They're going to be able to see it. They could, they could gather all that information over that six month period, but isn't it better to get that insight now and know where to look and just accelerate their coaching? So Mm -hmm. those are a couple of examples of how we use that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know um, with, with assessments, I think, and I think it comes from maybe not understanding how they work or um, not understanding best practices for them. Sure. But, you know, there's, there's a, um, uh, I don't know if it's common, but there's a thinking that maybe there's, you know, there is a certain unfairness to it that, oh, well, you're going to give this assessment to somebody who actually deserves this job and it's going to bar them from getting the job. And, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, watching for biases, making sure that yep. it's it's equally distributed, the assessments. But can you speak to that, those who have reservations because of perceived controversies surrounding these assessments? Well, and there's, there's also, um, I think in that question, there's a, there's a second question, which is, can candidates game the system? Can they fake out the assessment, right? Which is also where some of that, that skepticism comes from. So let me answer both of those questions. So um, the assessment is one data set. I wouldn't recommend anybody make, you know, their entire decision base based on, based on that, right? It's, it's now, if you assess early and you set a standard and you know what you're looking for, it can be useful to kind of eliminate candidates who aren't going to measure up. And so no need to waste their time and move on to the interview process. But for the candidates who, who um, get to the interview stage, the assessment basically tells you where to look and what to look for. It sharpens your interviews. It makes your, um, your selection process a little bit more rigorous. And it, it, um, Basically, you can have the uh, the evaluation instruct your interviews and um, somebody who doesn't measure up or isn't selected, it's never going to be just because of that assessment. It's going to be a combination of things. It may be that they're a very good salesperson, but they're not the right person for this role. They may be better in a, better suited for a different role. Back to my first comment when you talked about this, HR and sales getting that alignment around what are the position requirements what do we need the, them to have done successfully? How difficult is this position? What level of, are they calling on? What level of resistance will they encounter? When you dial all that in, uh, it's not that you're not a good salesperson. It's just you're not the right person for this role. Uh, and so that's that. As far as, as far as can people game the system, 100% they can, right? Salespeople are savvy. Um, we, for, for OMG, we actually look at, uh, there's about, 41 different factors we look at to come up with a confidence score. And there are things like overall time taking the assessment, time per question, um, number of start, you know, number of times they stop and, and restart, right? So they could be distracted in multitasking or they could be researching answers, calling their buddy, whatever. We look for consistency across answer sets. And so we do give a we do give a confidence score. And if it's a low confidence score, even if the numbers are off the charts, we're not gonna we're not gonna recommend that candidate because of that confidence score. So mm-hmm. um, so that factors into it as well. 
so, you know, those are some of the tools. We can't stop somebody from trying to game the system, but usually what we tell candidates is just go with your first answer, answer, answer as best you can. If it, if the question doesn't seem to apply to your situation, imagine what you would answer if it did, you know, that kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. and that usually gives us a good result. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so with your work with these assessments, what do you find that sales leaders often learn about their existing teams, um, right. people they've worked with for a long time, maybe, or, or um, you know, moving forward, bringing on new people? What do they often express to you as maybe surprising to them or things that they learned during this process? It, you have the light bulb moment when they start to understand the, the data and the lens through which to look at their sales team's behavior. So we'll see things where they'll understand, oh, this is why, you know, this salesperson doesn't ask about budgets until the end of the process. They're mm -hmm. not comfortable discussing money. And this is why this person um, seems distracted and loses focus during a sales call. And this is why um, this person seems to resist. They're not coachable. They seem to resist everything we try to do. It gives them that framework and those tools to coach up their team and raise expectations. Um, it also highlights some people that, you know, sometimes the person responsible for the most revenue isn't always the best salesperson. They're just the person who was handed or acquired through attrition the best accounts. And sometimes those people don't assess very well. And I'll get a call from a CEO. They say, well, my top producer looks terrible. I won't even hire them. I said, well, let's talk about that. You know, usually the top revenue producer has the best accounts. If you took that person out of the market they're in and we moved them to a brand new market that you're just opening up and they had zero accounts, they just had, you know, a stack of leads and they had to cold call and, and, and build up a new book of business, who would they look like? Would they look like your award winner who goes to Cancun every, you know, every year or would they look like the person on this assessment? You know, so I think I think it it resonates. You know, the sales leader has to um, take the time and have the commitment to understand what it's telling them, and then we help them leverage that information to up their coaching game, improve their coaching conversations. And once you do that with the existing team, the the existing team, then when you start bringing in new people using the same tool set, uh, similar assessment. One is for current employees. One is the pre-hire assessment. You know, there's there's some slight differences, but it's the same 21 competencies, right? And if once a manager knows how to coach to those competencies, it becomes a lot easier to onboard new hires, and you can shorten the time from hire to revenue production significantly. Great. So if if people want to know more um, about the resources you offer, where can they go? What are the options for them? So there's a couple options. So our website's intelligentconversations.com, and there's a uh, book time with Mike page on there. Uh, and so I'll send you that link so you can include it as well. Or email me, mike at intelligentconversations.com. Um, one thing that I can offer to your audience is we do have a free trial assessment. So if you're in the process of interviewing candidates right now and you have a couple candidates you want to run through an assessment just to kind of kick the tires and see what this looks like, shoot me an email, mike at intelligentconversations.com conversations with an S and uh, I'll follow up. We'll get you set up. You can run a couple of candidates through and kind of see what this looks like in practice. It always means more when you're actually looking at real results rather than listening to some guy describe it. So if you're interested, I'd be happy to do that. Great. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike, for your time. We really appreciate it. And for more best practices on sales management and leadership, please head to asicentral.com slash news. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks, Mike.